Hello, I'm Andrew Harrison. Welcome to the Start Your Week edition of the Bunker Daily, where we set up the events of the week to come so you know what to brace yourself for. And here to start your week today is Chief Executive of Best of Britain, Naomi Smith. Hello, Naomi. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing, I think I'm doing a bit better than Ian was last Monday because uh, I love mornings. I'm a real, I'm one of those annoying people that springs out of bed. Boing, boing, boing. Morning, everyone. Yes, you're very bright eyed and bushy tailed. It's very, it's kind of (laughs) disgusting, actually. Um, This week, we've got the tightening of lockdown across the north of England, the last chance to protect British farming uh, as the agriculture bill comes back to Parliament, and maybe a final answer on the EU trade deal. First up, it's going to be tears before bedtime in England. We've spent all weekend being softened up for another lockdown system, another brand new one, and Merseyside, Manchester and Newcastle are going to get it first. Naomi, what exactly are we expecting and how are the early indications going down across the northwest and the north of England? Well, I, I, I do like your tears before bedtime. <laughs> Almost as good as Metro front page October, um, <laughs> which made me chuckle. Um, so what's happening today? Uh, Johnson is going to be holding a COBRA meeting this morning ahead of a statement in the Commons, probably around 3.30, and then one of his televised evening performances where he's flanked by Witty and Valance. And we're expecting him, as you say, to introduce this three-tier lockdown across England. So England, remember, uh, we've already got, you know, the, the central belt of Scotland in lockdown. Wales does its own thing as well. Um, dividing the country, uh, the, the England being the country, into very high risk, high risk and medium risk. So note that no area is considered low risk or no There's no risk. tier zero. No tier zero, no no zero COVID strategy coming out of the government. And what we won't know until the Prime Minister makes a statement today is exactly what each of the restriction levels will face. But it sounds as those very high risk areas may well see the forced closure of pubs and restaurants. What is also not clear is, is whether there really are three tiers, because this top tier, this very high risk tier, looks to actually have several different kinds of uh, lockdowns within it, because each local area is going to be negotiating separate with the government as to what its lockdown restrictions should look like. So this this very high risk tier um, in Liverpool, we're certainly hearing that it'll be the total closure of, of pubs and restaurants. In other areas, it might be that they have to close from 5pm. No non-essential travel allowed, only uh, essential retail and schools staying open. High risks, that, that tier down from that could mean that the area no longer lets you uh, go into somebody else's household or mix with another ho- household if you're in a, a pub or a restaurant venue. And then the medium risk is uh, probably uh, going to experience no change to the current national restrictions, which are things like the rule of six and the 10 p.m. curfew. If medics had their way, we may well see mask wearing outdoors becoming recommended, if not mandated to. We had the British Medical Association yesterday really making quite a strong pitch for that. And I think that, you know, the the big problem is that many of those areas that have already been under some of these tighter restrictions for several months already, you know, some of them went into a new lockdown in July, haven't seen a positive impact on virus rates coming down yet. Um, And that we are fairly certain is because test trace and isolate just isn't working at a national level. So this idea that, that not only that there's a new system of classification, we have to learn a new one, forget about traffic lights, we've got this new, we've got the tiers, that within the tiers there will also be sub-tiers and local tiers. Doesn't this, the one thing everybody has been clear about is that we're desperate for clarity, simplicity and understanding. The biggest, people back the idea of restrictions to uh, combat COVID. What they don't back is uh, is this this lack of clarity and this inability, you know, creating a situation which is very hard to understand what you're supposed to do? Isn't this 
this idea of tiers with sub-tiers within them, isn't this going to kind of fly in the face of that as well? When you want to just understand what you're supposed to do, and you're told, well, actually, it's going to depend whether you're in Sefton or whether you're in, uh, you know, Nosley. In, it, absolutely. I mean, look, the message handling has been appalling from start to finish, you know, and it's it it's only, it seems to be deteriorating. Um, it's all too complicated for people to follow um, and so poorly handled that I suspect some form of national lockdown must surely be inevitable at some point in the coming weeks. The rumours being that they're going to use the fortnight of autumn half term to do a national circuit break total lockdown, which would of course would include the schools, but the schools would be closed anyway, or most of them would be for, for at least one of those two weeks. Um, I know some schools have, have a fortnight half term in the autumn anyway. But you're completely right Andrew the 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 messaging is confused and it's also going to build this resentment uh, that I think has been creeping in and, and to date the government have been relatively lucky at getting away with it about blaming us we've not followed the rules properly and I, I think we'll expect to hear even more of that from Johnson today if you don't abide by the rules then even more pernicious uh, lockdown will have to happen and of course <laughs> as you've quite rightly pointed out for many it, it won't be because they don't want to follow the rules it's just because the rules simply and are not clear enough to be able to follow them. Yes he's going to make us an offer we can't understand I mean, that, that enraging thing that came out the other weekend where Johnson said that effectively we were on top of it but then everyone got complacent who is everyone everyone is you you're the government you know exactly we, exactly and, and and frankly it's it's the, it's the test and trace that just isn't working like it couldn't be further from world beating and it sounds as if it's not only not improving but actually deteriorating uh, and that's likely to continue as people fear for their jobs and choose not to download the apps and not to sign in to the places that they've been to um because they're they're fearful that either they'll lose their job if they have to be forced to stay at home or that they simply cannot survive on the new uh, package of, of measures that Rishi Sunak um, has come out. You know, people have to isolate. That is the key way to getting an epidemic under control. That is one of the few things that this, the science uh, does agree on uh, internationally, globally. Um, and the Circo run system in England, this nationalised, centralised system, has reached a, a, around, as I understand it, 60% of contacts. Whereas the devolved nations that are using these local tracing systems, which you, you may have heard that most of the local authorities in England are desperate to be allowed to do and yes. to ditch this national thing, they've reached closer to 90% of contacts and are being far more effective. One of the things that emerged over the weekend was that central government is ignoring local government, that, uh, you know, the, uh, the the mayors across the M62 corridor were effectively saying that uh, the consultations weren't consultations, they were being told what was going to happen. I mean, what kind of luck is it for the new Conservative government that supposedly was, you know, enormously humble about being loaned the votes of the North uh, to be seen to turn around and effectively dump on the North like this? Yeah, I mean, look, in, in short, at the moment, I don't think it's hurting the government, but boy, are they storing up uh, problems for the future. First of all, the local restrictions, as I say, don't seem to be working. Um, and also the data doesn't seem to be, have been matched to the lockdowns yet. So yesterday's papers saw, you know, anger, local papers, I mean, saw anger that Richmond in Yorkshire, in North Yorkshire, which is, of course, Rishi Sunak's seat, has escaped lockdown so far, despite having more than double the infection rate 
per 100,000 people in some of those areas that have been. And I think it's also interesting that Johnson's statement is coming alongside Sunak's job retention package today, and that that is somewhat smaller than the furlough system that was brought in in March. If you remember uh, then, uh, up to 80% of salaries were supported by the public purse, and now they're only offering two thirds. And that's further angering all of these conservative mayors in these local areas, as well as uh, conservative council leaders, and of course, opposition leaders in those areas, who are saying that this simply isn't enough and you're being unfair to the North. If it's broadly uh, the North that's being locked down, well, why aren't they getting 80% uh, and only getting sort of 67%? That, that's unfair and that's creating further cleavages between North and South. The kind of poison at the heart of all this is the idea that there is one law for most of us and another for the Conservative government and its its friends and its kind of its close associates. And there was that story in the Mirror over the weekend about the constituencies. Does this echo the Dominic Cummings effect? Because the things that make people not comply with regulations are a not being able to understand them and b the thought that they're kind of being played like suckers. When if you happen to be in with the kind of uh, Conservative uh, in crowd, you're kind of allowed to get away with things. There's, there's Stanley Johnson waltzing around without a mask on and so on. In, indeed. Um, you know, I think this is why when we've, when we've talked about who might succeed Johnson as leader uh, on, on our other shows, I've talked about the fact that, well, Gove might even be lucky to get to the membership because the Conservative MPs are so cross with Cummings. Hmm. Um, you've seen several of them overnight tweeting, you know, Cummings made me do it. Cummings has told us we have to vote this way and that way. There is this growing anger about his uh, sort of, you know, vice-like grip on all things coming out of number 10 and that it is being perceived by many of them as, you know, do as I say, not as I do exactly as you say. Uh, the, the polling that Best for Britain does um, and our focus groups do seem to suggest that the, the the switch voters from Labour to the Conservatives are broadly still behind this government. You know, they, they have the zeal of a convert. They want to stick by the, the, the switch vote that they made at the last election. They don't want to be wrong for any of it to be their fault. But it's it's waning. And certainly amongst the local politicians, the mayors and, and even their own MPs in those constituencies, the you know there is trouble at mill for for number ten. They are they are beginning to very much lose the goodwill of many of those, particularly new MPs in the so-called blue wall. What do we think is going to happen with this kind of growing confrontation or sort of you know below the surface antagonism between the the, the personal freedom caucus in the in the Conservative Party? You want much more wide uh, wider reopening of everything uh, and uh, the, the the leadership which is attempting to project caution i mean we've seen letters over the weekend you know of some really kind of alarming ideas that perhaps we should just let everybody just exercise their personal responsibility and it'll be fine what's what do we think is likely to happen with that, that sort of below the surface um antagonism I mean, the libertarians need to be bloody careful what they wish for. Um, and, you know, uh, as someone who is close to somebody suffering long COVID, uh, you know, they really, they really shouldn't be uh, hoping that, that more and more people get it. And I'm, you know, I'm very sorry for particularly the, the sort of thousands of students across the country that have now got it. And people think, oh, well, they're all young, they'll bounce back. Well, actually, you know, upwards of 10% of them may well be stuck with this thing for a very, very long time to come in terms of its after effects. Um, I don't think that we're going to see uh, any major rebellions on the government uh, in regards to this. There was rumour last week 
that Steve Baker, uh, you know, current chair of the ERG, would be uh, leading a, a rebellion against the 10 p.m. curfew. That all seemed to get doused with with water uh, at the end of last week as the government decided to to make sure that that 10 p.m. curfew was wrapped up in other measures, which meant that Labour would back it. Uh, it, it. It was at one point thought that Labour would um, vote with those Tory rebels to try and defeat the government on the 10 p.m. curfew, probably for very different reasons. Um, mm. But 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 they may have done that. But then what, what the government have done is they've wrapped up that vote so that Labour would have to be rejecting all measures rather than simply a separate vote on the 10 p.m. one which is the one that they had difficulty with. So I think uh, plenty of grumblings, but as yet unlikely to result in a big defeat for the government. Before we move on, Siddiq Khan is warning that London's going to need tighter restrictions soon. Can, can we envisage London going to tier two or even tier three? I mean, that would be you know, from, purely from an economic point of view, a huge blow. It would um, economically, but I think we've got to stop feeding the government narrative of this being a binary choice between saving the country's economy and saving lives, um, because the two are intrinsically linked and they uh, run parallel to one another. And it is surely better to have a, a, a proper shorter lockdown while you don't squander it, as the government did during the first lockdown and spend 12 billion on your mates to produce something that doesn't bloody work and to actually get this isolation bit of the test trace isolate working so that you can keep healthy people out in the economy and being productive and rapidly contain those uh, who who have tested positive and who and, and their contacts the people that they've had some kind of contact with that's what needs to happen um, I, I think it's it's probably inevitable that London will at least change tiers uh, and see some further restrictions over the coming weeks. And as I said, the whole country could face this this circuit break national lockdown uh, over the half term. Well, my autumn nights out in the dispensary in Liverpool are off now. So, you know, if I can't be happy, nobody can be happy. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Moving on. The Agriculture Bill is returning to Parliament and government is said to be adamantly opposed to continuing the same high standards as the EU. There have been huge demos over this and a petition of over a million signatures. And yet farmers have been told by ministers simply to rely on ministerial assurances. Naomi, this is the hormone beef chlorinated chicken plus issue. What's likely to happen this week? So the Agriculture Bill started in the Commons, went off to the Lords. The Lords amended it to make sure that uh, post-transition period, as we're forging all of these great new global trade deals, that the UK uh, seeks to maintain or exceed its standards when it comes to things like animal welfare and food. That amendment is back in the Commons today for a vote. And I think there will be um, some significant Tory rebellions and the opposition parties, of course, won't be backing it. But I, again, doubt there are going to be the numbers to defeat the government, though we'll see. Um, there are a host of Tory MPs from farming seats who have signalled that they will defy the whip on this. And uh, if you're out and about in Westminster today, you may see a tractor demonstration or two. Uh, the campaign group Save British Farming are going to be out and protesting do show them your support on Twitter if you can. As as you mentioned, the NFU, the National Farmers Union uh, petition, has already reached a million signatures on this. Now, the the government are saying, well, uh, this isn't the place for those amendments. You know, this is Parliament should not be trying to control our future trade deals through domestic legislation. This bill is about domestic standards. They're doing this because they failed to get it through the trade bill. 
um, and, and get it adopted there. And again, the government said, well, no, no, the trade bill was just about ensuring that, that our domestic policies were in shape so that we could go forward uh, and negotiate all of these deals. And yes, as, as, as you led with at the start of the section, Andrew, their message is, trust us, trust us, trust us. Well, of course, this coming from a government that tried to tear up the Northern Ireland Protocol, break international treaties, and has ran through the Internal Markets Bill, uh, damaging Britain's reputation globally. So this really is one of the few mechanisms Parliament has. I can assure you that from all of the focus groups that we've been doing, um, particularly across the red wall, particularly with those switch voters from Labour to the Conservatives, food standards is a big, big cut through issue for people of all demographics, of all ages, of all social uh, and economic groups, men, women, old, young, nobody, nobody supports a lowering of food standards. So again, I think if the government are seen to be backing US farmers today and not British farmers today, this issue ain't going away and we'll keep rumbling on. It is pretty much all about the US trade deal and uh, US Agriculture Secretary Sonny Perdue has been pretty much uh, issuing instructions to the UK on, on, on what to do. If there is a change of president, surely the trade deal's up in the air anyway. So uh, where does that leave this 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 particular agriculture bill? Well, I think that the US trade deal is up in smoke anyway, because if you remember the awful issue over the internal market bill and uh, a return to a hard border on the island of Ireland if we don't get a deal, mm. um, which is all the more likely because of the internal market bill, I hasten to add, and I know we're going to come on to talking about uh, where we're at with Brexit in a second. Um, it was a bipartisan issue uh, in the in Congress and Senate, and even uh, Trump's own envoy to Northern Ireland made a very, very clear and strong signal almost certainly because he needs to shore up some Irish vote that Biden currently has completely in the bag. But nonetheless, both sides of, of, of the House have said, you can bugger off if you expect a decent trade deal with us or really any trade deal at all. So I'm not sure that this issue is is the one that, that is the nail in the coffin. I think the internal market bill was that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> as you say, if we're being dictated to both on our food standards and almost certainly on the NHS by uh, a foreign power, well, you know, uh, so much for for Britain being a sovereign nation, huh? Um, under the current plans, ministers alone would decide whether food or agriculture products can come into the UK, and they could also change those uh, the food standards without a vote. This seems to be very much High Cummings uh, centralised decision making. Is that likely to go into law? Is that possible to be amended out of existence? Um, again, I think it's going to depend on the appetite of the Lords to ping pong this. Generally, they don't like to. And of course, the get out of jail free card the government always has as they attach a, a finance element to it. And then it becomes a money bill and, and the Lords sort of cease to have any power over it. I think for the government, though, the problem is the call to public opinion on this because it, it, un, it unifies leave and remain uh, in much the same way Trump does. And, and I expect that, you know, this is all sort of wrapped up in this sort of anti-Trumpian, uh, anti-shit food sentiment <laughs> that the Brits have got. You know, we're, we're, we're yeah. proud of our... our and, and it's just as much about animal welfare, actually, as it is about um, food. Uh, you know, mad dogs and Englishmen, we're, we're renowned for having a very soft spot when it comes to how we treat animals. So, yeah, I, I think for, for the government, uh, regardless of what happens with this bill, regardless of whether uh, unilaterally uh, ministers uh, agree with what food can and come, can't come into this country, uh, the food campaigners and mums and, you know, anyone that cares about uh, strongly about, uh, about 
what their children eat and what, what they eat uh, are not going to let this rest. Um, and I think it will probably have to be something that gets undone at some point in the future, uh, just to, to the sheer weight of uh, of people being absolutely revolted at the prospect of, of having that kind of food in our supply chain. Finally, let's have uh, the traditional update on the EU trade talks. It's it's the supposed deadline of October the 15th this week, which Boris Johnson made up, of course. What's likely to happen this week? So there are no formal talks this week, uh, but there are two key dates. So the first, of course, is the one you've just mentioned. Thursday marks the 15th of October, the date Johnson has always set as being the deadline for getting a deal. And then there's the EU summit of the uh, 27 nations on Thursday and Friday, where Brexit is on the agenda. It is not the only item on the agenda. However, uh, over this weekend, the rumours have been that the talks will now continue into November and that this summit will be more of a, a stock take for the 27 as to where things have got to blah 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 boring 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 (laughs) it is still state aid and fisheries that remain the two key issues and it's to me i think it still feels as though a deal is marginally more likely than not uh we've given some ground on state aid there is clearly big pressure for macron uh to to concede uh on the fish um and and you know we've had warm and positive noises from angela merkel on that we had a, a new best for britain poll uh, that came out over the weekend of more than 8000 people so if you remember the average kind of uh-huh. yougov poll is about 2000 and that should 64% of Brits think it would be a bad outcome for the UK to leave transition without a deal. So there really is absolutely no mandate for no deal. So the country is is sort of at odds with the Prime Minister, who you might remember uh, said last month that we could prosper mightily uh, if we leave transition period on WTO terms. But but the poll shows that the vast majority of Brits just don't believe that. All regions showed a majority thinking no deal would either be bad or very bad for the country, um, with, of course, the strongest reaction coming from Scotland and London, where the numbers grow above 70%. Um, so we've left the EU, the divorce is being finalised. Um, and, and what I take from the poll is that the country basically wants it to be more like a Gwyneth Paltrow, Chris Martin divorce than a Paul McCartney, Heather Mill style one. Um, and if, if listeners want to help, you know, Vesta Britain is encouraging people to send an email directly to the Prime Minister on this to keep his promise. That oven ready deal, that great deal, the easiest trade deal in history. You can do it very easily via the link in my Twitter profile at Pimlacat. Well, since since when has something being an absolutely terrible idea ever stopped Britain from doing it? That's my question to you. Naomi Smith, thank you for joining me. We're going to be back tomorrow with a regular daily and on Wednesday with the panel show as usual. If you've got a moment to review and rate us on Apple Podcasts, that will be very helpful and a real bonus. It helps us get seen and it helps us to reach more people. In the meantime, thanks from me and Naomi for listening. See you next time. Bye. The Bunker Daily was produced and presented by Andrew Harris. The assistant producer was Jacob Archbold, and audio production was by me, Alex Reese. Theme tune by Kenny Dickinson. The Bunker Daily is a Podmasters production.